been a week since the regular Wednesday chapel at Asbury University in Kentucky. Well, it turned into something far more. It turned into the manifest presence of God. Now people are coming from other cities and colleges to be a part of what's happening. The university has even set up overflow chapels to accommodate demand. A revival lasting not hours, but days. The worship experience still continuing into Monday, clocking in over 125 hours. What? do we do with the Asbury Revival? Before you think I'm just being a theological wet blanket, consider 1 Thessalonians 5. We are commanded to do two things when we see something like what is going on in Wilmore, Kentucky. One, don't quench the spirit, but we are commanded to test all prophecies. So let's do that with the Asbury Revival. Here are the facts. Number one, by their own account, Asbury University has seen at least eight revivals since the university was founded in 1890. I think it's fair to wonder why this university seems to be favored by the Holy Spirit so regularly. Is it because the Spirit is moving or, we have to ask, is it simply being manipulative? Just asking, it is strange. Why don't we see a regular revival anywhere else but this particular university? Number two, Asbury University. It is a part of what is known as the Wesleyan Holiness Movement. Now, Wesleyans and Methodist brothers and sisters are Orthodox believers, but this particular branch does not usually preach very forcefully on sin judgment, wrath, and the need for repentance, and the presence of those ideas, it's kind of necessary for actual revival to take place. And those who visited Asbury, like Spencer Smith, Elisa Childers, they observed they didn't hear the gospel proclaimed once. Now, even if it has been preached, occasionally the centerpiece of a true revival is the gospel. We must ask, where is it at Asbury? Number three, when the following people endorse something, uh, <laughs> we should ask why. Todd Bentley, Todd Bam Bam, Bam Bam Bam, Bentley, Sean Foyt of Bethel Church, Shane Claiborne, the emergent. Now, this isn't definitive, but it is noteworthy, as I suspect this cast of characters would not attend a Ligonier R.C. Sproul revival and endorse it. These are just the facts, ma'am. Number four, other Christian universities are now saying we're experiencing similar revivals, but there's no reports of revival on secular campuses. Why is it just breaking out at private Christian schools? Why doesn't the Holy Spirit seem to be falling on more theologically conservative schools? I'm just asking the questions that I think that we need to ask to make a biblical assessment and test all prophecies. Number five, I think we have a little definitional confusion. What is a revival if we don't pinpoint exactly what we think is happening at Asbury? I think it's going to cause some confusion. So I think there are basically two types of revival. An individual 
or a church can be revived. They're fed truth. They're fired up to walk in holiness. It's an individual reviving, encouraging. But the second type of revival, and I think this is the definition that most of us have in mind, is that this is a big outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Lots of people are getting saved. So what do we call what's happening at the Asbury Revival? It looks like some students are being encouraged, but we have not seen reports of people getting saved. Furthermore, revival grows outward. People are flying in to experience revival. Christians are flying in to be a part of it. Revival, as we think about it, like the Great Awakening Revival, it goes out. People are getting saved, and then they go tell other people about what they have seen and heard. It doesn't seem that that is happening at Asbury. So on the one hand, we can call it perhaps an individual revival where some are encouraged. But should we be calling it a third great awakening revival? Number six, what actually is happening at this revival? What we see is a lot of worship, a lot of ongoing worship, but very little, if any, actual expository Bible teaching and maybe no gospel proclamation. When we see the two great revivals in the Bible, they both center on the preaching of the word. The greatest revival ever was in Nineveh, outside of Israel, outside of a Jewish university. Jonah preached repentance and they got saved. Jonah didn't lead music for hours on end. Second revival in the Bible, Pentecost but it was centered on the preaching of Peter and the spirit poured out on people and they got saved. The fruit of that revival was salvation. And then they took that message and went out. The Pentecost revival doesn't look at all like what is happening at Asbury. Number seven, unfortunately, we're starting to see some oh, bizarre behavior at the revival demons being cast out female preachers speaking in tongues. Lots and lots of Hillsong and Bethel music. Let's hope this isn't the beginning of more, well, wacky NAR-like behavior. Number eight, seen a lot of interviews from people who have attended the revival, and I can't help but notice the third person of the Trinity gets mentioned a lot. When I was saved, I got the Holy Spirit, but always looking for more and really hoping when I walk through the door, it's poured out on me. This is not definitive, but it could be a sign we're witnessing a rather suspect movement. Why do I say that? Because the Holy Spirit's role is not to focus on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's role is to focus on Jesus. So when a church service, a revival, an event, a ministry focuses so heavily on the Holy Spirit, we really should be a bit suspicious.
So what do we do with all of this? We don't want to quench the spirit. So let's hope that kids are being spiritually revived, meaning they're being encouraged and they are set in a trajectory of holiness. But to call this a regeneration revival that is sweeping the nation, I don't think it meets the biblical criteria necessary to call it a revival in that sense. Furthermore, if I might, we do want to keep an eye on what is happening because if this is something that is being manipulated in any way, then we've seen what happens to kids who go to Bethel-like concerts and Hillsong concerts. They constantly have to get whipped up only to come tumbling back down. They seek a mountaintop experience, but when the music ends, they head to the valley. The Christian life isn't a constant mountain peak experience. In fact, it could be argued God does a lot of his work in us when we're in the valleys. The Christian life should be constant. Uh, not like some sort of EKG. How do we get that constancy? If you want to go to extended worship, that is fine. But the biblical remedy for a dry spirit is reading the word, praying, hearing preaching, fellowship, and taking communion. In other words, it's doing the basics and participating in the life of your local church. If you do that, you will find yourself being far more stable, not needing to go to an event to kind of revive you again because the Lord will be consistently reviving you. That's what I think. I suspect you got some thoughts of your own. Please discuss. I was in such a dark place, but with the biblical counseling, with the help of the Bible and the help of the Lord, I'm able to maneuver and navigate through life a lot better.